Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. by the Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! We are Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Oh, so close to training camp. We're going to be talking about camp battles, offense, defense, special teams, plus a very special guest will be dropping by on the pod. Yes, we're going to be talking to Brooke Kirchhofer. She joined us on WWL. We're going to ask her about her top position battles. And I trust her opinions more than my own. So keep that in mind. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to do the first segment. It's going to be the offense. Then we're going to give you that interview. And then the last segment is going to be defense and special teams. We don't really need to talk about special teams that much. We know what the position battles are going to be. I'm not that excited to watch them. There's kind of just something that's there. It's not like we're going to be waiting with bated breath to watch oh Blake Groupie's kicking everyone get out there but it will be something to, to track it's I, I think that's a good way to put it is I will be tracking the kick, catching the kicking competition I will be watching some of these other position battles very closely and taking notes and you know it's going to matter throughout the entirety of camp so let's we're going to go through that we're going to start with offense and let's start with the ones that we don't need to think about I made a list and I kind of broke them down by like what's settled and this and that, what's mostly settled, and then what's wide open. And so the ones that are settled completely, we don't have to talk about it, concrete. QB1, Derek Carr, going to be there. No question. Right tackle, Ryan Ramchek. Center, Eric McCoy. No question. Those three positions completely settled as they should be. Like some of these, you kind of look at it like it's settled unless... You know, it, like it's settled, like Alvin Kamara is the RB1 unless he comes out and just looks slow. And then Kendry Miller just looks like a star. And then yeah. you could, could see like, wow, you know, maybe Alvin's grasp on that role is slightly less strong considering he might be gone for six games. And what happens when he comes back, right? So to me, that's not concrete. Whereas Derek Carr being QB1 is as concrete as it gets. So like Derek Carr... Ryan Ramchek, Eric McCoy, those are three positions that I don't care what happens. You don't even have to watch it. That position battle is settled. 
I'm assuming you're leaving guys obviously like a Ruiz and Pete off just because of injury and the unknown there. Yes, and also because they did draft Nick Saldaveri. Yeah. So like I think Ruiz, his position is settled as long as he's healthy. I don't right. think that there's really a position battle going on. But Andrus Pete, I think there is a scenario where he loses his job if he just doesn't look good, if he looks slow, if it, and then Nick Saldaveri kind of blows everyone out of the water. Maybe, right? So it's like it's a very I have it as virtually settled. But okay. not completely. Like, there is a very slim chance. So, like, that's kind of why I have them there. QB2, kind of similar. I have it as basically settled, which is Jameis, yeah. Jake Hayner. If we're seeing a guy who's not getting reps during minicamp because they want to give Taysom Hill reps, they're not really looking at him as the as the backup. So, I don't think that – like, I don't think it's a concrete situation, but I don't think it's something you have to watch. Not year one for Hayner. If, if there was, was a year two battle with him – that that'd be a different story. Obviously, yeah, next year it's definitely going to be a question. This year, I think you're you've you've pretty much got it settled. And, and then I already I already explained this, but Alvin Kamara settled, but you know it's an unsettled situation, right? Like I don't think anyone questions whether he's talent wise the the running the RB one, but you know you never know. Going up, Chris Olave and Mike Thomas at the Z and the X again settled in terms of. If Mike Thomas is healthy, cool. I actually think <laughs> we're looking at a position battle. The question is, if someone is battling with Mike Thomas, who is it? Rashid Shahid worked a lot at the X last year, but I don't think he's the guy you would have at the X. And I don't look at it as wide receiver one, wide receiver two, I, because that's not how really NFL teams operate. It's, that's a fantasy football way of looking at things. Right. You're talking X receiver, the Z receiver, and the slot receiver. And so Chris Olave, to me, is the Z. The guy who's lining up across from Mike Thomas or whoever is the X and is working in combination with the slot receiver and the tight end. The X receiver stands by himself. It's one-on-one matchups and has to win them. And so I think in that sense, those are settled. Uh, yeah. So beyond that, like those are the, that's the last really truly settled position. Um, we still have, we have tight ends here too, but I'll go through that. But what do you think about that? Uh, to me? Yeah. The, the only questions with wide receiver is really more on the, the depth at the position. Kind of thing. I, I think the top end, yeah, we know what it is if if the guys are going to be healthy. But does anyone unseat Traquan? Uh, can Keith Kirkwood make more of an impact? I mean, what are we going to see from the rookie in A.T. Perry or, you know, even Brian Edwards, uh, James Washington? There's a lot of names that there's, um, like I said, going to be there's just fighting for depth on this squad. Yeah, and you know, when I when I went through this, it, it kind of emerged to me that like there aren't that many exciting position battles to watch on the offense. Like <laughs> Trevor Penning versus his own body is one yes. of the interesting position battles. For and sure. he, he he is on this list reasonably high. And it's I have it as mostly settled because I think you do want to go into this season with Trevor Penning as your as your left tackle. But James Hurst could be that guy if you need it. So there's there's something of a position battle there, although I don't think it's really a battle. I think this team is leaning on Trevor Penning and as if he he's battling himself. That's that's the only way I can describe it. Like James Hurst is not going to do anything that makes you say, well, he's the real starting left tackle. It's all a question of whether Trevor can do enough on his own. 
you know, the tight ends is similar to me in the sense that I don't look at it as T1, T2. I look at it as, okay, this is going to be a situation kind of like the Saints had with Josh Hill and Jared Cook. And you're going to have a move tight end and you're going to have a blocking tight end and maybe a third tight end. But so as a move tight end, I think Jerron Johnson has it basically locked up. The second tight end position, I think, I think there is a bit more of a question in terms of the blocking tight end. I think Foster Morrow has the a very big lead on that. But there is going to be something. It's like, okay, if Miller Forrestal, who I know nothing about, looks great and and is the better player throughout camp, I think there's a chance that he makes that he wins that job. Same with Jesse James. So I think that is going to be something. And then you're like secondarily, you're also saying, okay, behind those two, who is that third guy? Is it Lucas Krull? Is it Miller Forrestal? Is it Jesse James? I don't even put Taysom Hill in that conversation because I don't know what position you want to call Taysom Hill, but he's going to make it. There's, there's no question. That's his his role is going to exist. So I kind of put it as like, if you want to keep an extra tight end, who's it going to be? And so those are the two positions that I'm looking at there. Yeah, for me too, I, I feel like Jawan Johnson and Foster Murrow are pretty strong as you're in that group at least. And to to make the other, that third tight end to make up that group, yeah, is it going to be a Jesse James or a Lucas Kroll is of interest to me. Uh, we we talked to James a little bit uh, this offseason, and he uh, has brought up the fact of you know being with a team to start camp being big for him. We'll see how that plays out. Definitely interested to see what this big dude has to offer, something that we know this team needs, that blocking tight end. And yeah, Foster Morrow can be that guy, but he's not – I wouldn't say, you know – your go-to number one blocking tight end option kind of thing. And he's a Bobby Bear term. Like, like Jesse James has the skins on the wall. Like he has done it right. Like he's had a reasonably successful career. You've seen him have success in Pittsburgh, not so much the last few years. So I, I think that does, you know, just kind of the, the veteran nature of what he's bringing in uh, is, is going to be helpful to him. When he's compared to like a guy like a Lucas Krull, who might have more upside, but you do you trust him? Put him on the field now. That's a good question. We we saw him obviously flash, and everyone got excited over it. Um, we'll we'll see more come training camp, but that's definitely something to uh, one of the camp battles to watch for. I think they've liked him and they kept him around, and so that's usually a good sign. So the, these are the top three, and I'm, I'm not saying every single position on this list, but my top three, starting with the third most interesting, going to the most interesting. So backup guard center tackle basically who is your second string offensive line and i think for this to be the third most ending position battle tells you that there are not a ton of exciting position battles to watch um in terms of okay are they going to start are they going to be on the team versus not so you're talking minute, about what, what about adam prentice versus jake baragas Ooh, <laughs> yeah no no not um but so yeah so right now i think you know you're talking about guys like nick saldaveri landon young calvin throckmorton as so James Hurst is going to be there, right? Like he's going to be one of those backups. So I don't think that he's even in this position battle, but right. those three guys are kind of interesting. Like I think Saldaveri, it's, it's really just going to be whether he is relied upon as a rookie versus he's going to make this roster one way or the other. I think Billy Price has a chance to unseat a guy like a Calvin Throckmorton or who's your backup who can be a, you're also your backup center. I think being able to save that roster spot might, might help him. And then a Storm Norton, I think, is interesting too. Who's your backup tackle? But yeah, how, how that second string offensive line builds out. And, I th- and it's pretty easy to track. So I think that's going to be something to watch. Like a guy like Yasir Duran already got cut. 
So that's that's going to be interesting only so far as it is interesting to watch offensive linemen, which it's not. Outside of the early padded practice, because they're unpadded too. Right. Padded practices, you can get a good look at it. And until and those are the only times I'm willing to <laughs> make a strong opinion about an offensive or defensive lineman is during padded practices. Like I can make opinions about safeties and wide receivers and running backs in t-shirts and shorts and even tight ends to some extent. But I'm not going to tell you that I watched an unpadded practice and I feel like, you know, so-and-so is the best offensive lineman on the team. I'm not going to do it. Or that's it. Can't. Penning, I've seen enough. Penning's a bust after day two. Penning is, a, is, a, is slightly different in the sense that his footwork is so important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you can watch his footwork and say, okay, he's getting better. But, you know, like, I know what he can do when the pads come on. It's really a question of whether he can get the, the intangible stuff or the, the, the technical stuff down. So that's interesting. But, yeah, that's, that's my number three position battle. The, um, for the offense, right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. the, the 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 thing with offense, like you men, mentioned, it might not be as interesting because, yeah, I don't feel like that there are really starting jobs up for grabs. No, not really. Not really. And these <laughs> next two are not starting jobs either. So my top three position battles on offense are for backup roles. Um, now, this yeah. one is the closest to a starting role, this next one. And I still think it's kind of cut and dried to an extent, so it's not as exciting. But it's going to be RB2. And when I say it's close to a starting job, because whoever this is, is the guy you're starting technically when Alvin Kamara is, is inevitably suspended. So, you know, this is an important battle, right? And I think it's between Kendry Miller and Jamal Williams. I think Jamal Williams probably has the, the early lead. But, you know, what if, you know, and, and I don't think it's crazy to think that Kendry Miller comes out and just looks like a stunt and plays in a way that's like, you know, Alvin's missing the first six games. Like, we got to get this guy on the field as much as possible. And like, I expect Jamal to be to be a quality player too. But, well, you know, is he the guy who you're going to have as a three down back? Is he a guy who you're going to have on early downs and short yardage? And then you give everything else to Kendra. Does Kendra just look like he needs a he needs time? Is he not reliable? You know, so those are the type of things I'm watching. And I think, you know, because I'm not watching Jamal relative to Alvin in these practices. I'm watching Jamal relative to Kendra Miller when Kendra gets on the field to start camp because that's the tier that I think could adjust and it's going to and it's going to be something that we watch. Um there's also going to be an RB3 question behind whoever that is. So like does Eno Benjamin maybe steal that last spot when Alvin is out and then revert to the practice squad when he comes back? I don't know, but to me that's not that exciting. Uh, I, I do think I, I love the fact that you put the you know the running back two battle in here because it is important and there's no it's not out of the question for the rookie and Miller to come through and supplant Williams. We saw Alvin his rookie year uh, basically make a hall Adrian of Peterson. future Hall of Famer useless. I mean the team was moved on from him uh, with Adrian Peterson. So why wouldn't they be willing to do that again? Everyone was so excited about Adrian Peterson. Oh, like for sure. AD all day, Adrian Peterson. They had that meme where he's like mean mugging Sean Payton. I love um, it. Yeah. No, right. Exactly. And that, like, and then when Alvin comes back, is it Jamal or is it Kendra? Who is kind of that go-to? Because you don't usually run three running backs. You don't, you don't usually have a stable of running backs in the NFL like that. You want three that you trust so that if one gets hurt, you still have two. But you don't typically see a third running. You know, you're not splitting up the carries that much. Maybe one or two carries a game, maybe a third down work. 
if someone's in the tent, right? And so I think that's 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 going to be the question. Um, but yeah, so I, I that's I that probably should be one, but wide receivers are just more fun to me um, because they do more in these practices, like they do one on one drills and stuff like that. So in terms of exciting, that's I'm going to rank that number one, which is the RB. I'm sorry, the wide receiver four five. Yeah. Not six. And I don't include six because to me, that's like someone like Kiki Kuti and Lynn Bowden Jr. who are battling, but they're not battling to be the wide receiver six and be like, well, well, he's a great wide receiver. We need him as our sixth wide receiver. They're battling on special teams and they'll make the team as the wide receiver six. Right? Yeah. And in this, in this battle, Honestly, merits of interest just because he has that versatility to to be that running back or wide receiver. So I'm curious to see if he can stick around. We've seen a little bit from him. But yeah, there's you know a bunch of new names to the mix here with Washington, Edwards, and Kudi. And we haven't seen anything from really Kawan Baker. We kind of talked about that during the Madden rankings. What is he capable of? Yeah, the players I have listed here, or Traquan Smith, who I think is probably, if you had to pick an early leader for the four spot, it would be yeah. Traquan, just because of what he's done. And he, I think there's a baseline there that is attractive. Like even you go back to the Madden ratings from the last episode, like he's rated at a 75. Like there is some appreciation there for the fact that he's a high floor player, very low ceiling. But <clears throat> when you're looking at depth, high floor is is, is kind of what you're looking for. And then, yeah, Kirk Merritt, as you mentioned, James Washington, I think, is intriguing. Another veteran player who has a lot of speed, can do things uh, downfield that might be attractive. Maybe you keep him around. A.T. Perry is the guy you probably want to see in that spot. In terms of, like, he's a rookie that you drafted. You don't want to cut him, um, but I think he's going to have to earn it. And then, yeah, Brian Edwards is probably the the last one there. And, yeah, Kawan Baker, he's going to have a hard time doing anything to stand out, but he is on that list, too. And just he hasn't done anything thus far, I feel like, to stand out in practice. So I don't know what's going to change either. No, but I would say the same thing about all these guys. Well, obviously, the, the other, you know, the three we haven't seen at all here, at least. Who? In uh, Edwards, Washington, and Kuti. We've seen them. You mean well, at camp? Yeah, like a brief sample. So I'm talking like now come training camp when, you know, pads are on, it gets real. Oh, none of this. Yeah. None of this mini camp, you know, voluntary or or you know mandatory stuff. But I would say I've like, but I would say the same thing about At Perry, right? Like, I, I don't think we've seen a lot out of any of them, and so I think that's when I say that when I'm ranking these kind of by excitement level, it's because again, like I said, the wide receivers are the most interesting thing to watch at camp, right? Because you can see what's happening. They do the one on one drills. They do the seven on sevens. So it's just like you get a really good look at what's going on. And that's why guys get excited about uh, who is that that wide receiver uh, that everyone fell in love with and then got cut. Um, oh, uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Butler. Uh, yeah, there you like go. That's why you have those guys because wide receiver is a really easy easy position to sink your teeth into. It's not happening a mile away. It's not happening. The, the pads aren't as necessary. Um, so, yeah. What's wild is be- Butler's not even in the NFL. No, I, I, I have no idea where he is. I hope he's okay wherever he is. But, yeah. So that's it. Again, like the like the Mike Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, I don't think there's a really a battle going on there. It's development. Right. Behind them is where is where the rubber really starts to hit the road. So I, I guess maybe you could consider that you know, with Shahid, 
is he more valuable in that, you know, the return role and they want to get somebody else more snaps at the wide, the third wide receiver option. But yeah, I, I don't know who that would be. Uh, I think if they, if they did that, people would riot. <laughs> and then and in today's NFL, no way. Um, if, if you have a guy who can contribute the way he can at the wide receiver position, uh, like he is going to be the top return option. And I don't think it's more of a, he's more valuable there than it is. What is a reasonable workload yeah. to give a young player a, your, how much are you going to ask him to do and how much can you expect him to do without getting hurt? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think probably if your if your goal is to have him be kind of slot option for a majority of the season, more so than Chris Olave and maybe even Mike Thomas, you need to have a option there who can take on that role, just to just to mitigate that snap count somewhat. So I think that's a good point. Um, I think you know maybe like a, if a, if a James Washington can be a slot receiver maybe that's something so that's something to consider in that in that next battle but again that's the wide receiver 4 5 that's my that's my rankings for these position battles and as you can probably tell my interest level will be much higher on the defense no and i hear you and it's kind of funny to think that you know with all the every year obviously new talent coming in and all but you know we we look pretty set on offense as long as everybody comes into camp uh healthy and ready to go yeah, you know, kind of like like I said this with Traquan, like the offense needs to be just like Traquan is high floor, maybe low ceiling. You know, I would love for the ceiling to be high, but the floor needs to be high. Like you can't have just dud offensive performances. I don't need you to go out and drop 40 points for this team to win, but I do need you to be competitive and control the ball. You know, and that's like we talk about the Taysom Hill quarterback experience. And one of the things you can say about that is the baseline was reasonably high. You knew that team was going to control the ball. You knew they were going to put some points up and give your defense a number that say, go protect this. And you're going to eliminate the turnovers. You're going to eliminate the risky plays. And you're going to do that. I don't think you need to go that far with the current offense, but you do need to set a baseline that is reasonable. And I don't think that was the case enough at the time last year. Um and yeah, if 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 the defense gets hurt and you deal with a lot of the same things you saw last year, you might end up asking you more from this offense. But that's like when I say it's not as exciting, I say that in a positive way that like I don't need this offense to be exciting. I need it to execute. And I think that's kind of what you see when you look at all of these position battles. You're like, yeah, OK, that's pretty settled, pretty settled, pretty settled, pretty settled. Yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah, and I, I thought you were just saying not that interesting because you're talking about watching offensive linemen practice. Well, that too. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about more the season than the than the, than the practice. But no, yeah, definitely. Anything, but all right, anything else? Anything else you want to add there before we move on? No, no. Just waiting for obviously the uh, a ruling from the NFL sooner than later would help for the Alvin Kamara situation too. Yeah, I mean, I guess it'd be nice to know, but I think it doesn't really affect the next couple months in the sense that whether it's four, whether it's six, whether it's eight, you're kind of looking at things the same way. And, and you're just like, okay, who's going to take over the, the yeah. heaviest workload? Who's going to be, how are we going to divvy up that work? And yeah, anyway, so well, yeah, it would be nice to just have a resolution so that we're not constantly asking the question, but I don't think it changes no, that right. much. Cause yeah, we know game one pretty much. You're not going to have them. I mean, you're expecting not to happen. Yeah, if you should. do, and it, you know, if something crazy happens, and maybe he doesn't get suspended, which I think is insanely unlikely, but like that's only that's a, that's that's a 
great problem to have, right? Yeah. Like, well, we were promising you work, but then, sorry, Alvin's here, you know. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah. yeah. It's all right, you're young. We'll franchise tag you. Oh, wait, you can't. Right, that's a different rant for a different podcast. <laughs> all right, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back and we're going to be talking to Brooke Kirchhofer. I'm, I'm almost certain I'm saying that name correctly. You are. You I, don't it. ask me to spell it. She is of WWL TV, not radio. That is us. And also, she has a good role with New Orleans football. I don't exactly understand what her role is. I know she does a lot of the podcast, but I'll, I'll let her explain what exactly her, her role is and what she's been working on there. I, I very much uh, respect her opinion about all of this uh, noise, so I'm looking forward to talking to her. Keep it locked on Inside Blackfield. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And this segment, we're going to take a break from our position, our, from our takes on the position battles and hear from Brooke Kirchhofer from WWL TV slash New Orleans football. Get into her position breakdowns and a lot more. Getting into training camp. It's an interview that Steve Geller did on Sports Talk. And enjoy. Happy to welcome in WWL TV's Brooke Kirchhofer, also with New Orleans Football. How you doing, Brooke? Hey guys, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you for the time. And are you ready for the <laughs> brutalness of training camp that awaits us? Absolutely. Bring the heat. I think we are all ready to finally be out there. The last few months, we've kind of just been trucking along, coming up with content. Yes. Essentially just talking about training camp and what we expect to see, guys, we want to see back. So to finally have some visuals of what guys look like, where are they at health-wise. And as we learned today, a few of the guys that we expected to see out there are not going to be out there, it looks like, for the very start of training camp. But, yes, ready ready for, to get back out on airline drive. Definitely waiting for it patiently as well. Like you said, just biding that time, trying to come up with any kind of content uh, to get to that that day. But, you know, as we, you know, a couple more days now, we're less than uh, double digits to get to training camp. Uh, Wednesday will be that first unpadded practice, and then we'll all be complaining, oh, I can't wait till the pads come on kind of thing. But what are some of the training camp battles that you think are going to be the most interesting, important as we go into this season? Well, I think I know you're talking about position ba- position group battles, but a one-on-one battle I am ready to <laughs> see is that Chris Olave on Marshawn Lattimore. And then when Michael Thomas is ready for full contact, Michael Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore. I think that's the one thing that always pops in camp when you see best on best. Looking forward to seeing that. Also looking to see this running back room continue to find its dynamic. Of course, Alvin Kamara. Now, uh, you know, the court, the case is closed, so a suspension is looming, and we'll see how long uh, that suspension is handed down from the NFL. That definitely will be coming soon. But to see how Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller kind of mesh, we didn't get to see Kendra Miller work with Williams and Kamara at all this offseason. So to see Kendra Miller back on the field, coming from, back from a knee injury, I mean, we, that's one of the guys I'm going to be looking for. And then two – of course, Brian Brzee and Isaiah Foskey. We didn't get to see too much of the D-line in minicamp and OTAs. And you really don't get to assess those guys until the pads are on and they're lining up. Yeah, you're looking at the rookies uh, that reported today, and obviously you mentioned one in Kendry Miller. Starting off still on the in, you know injury list, 
Uh, but what are the most important draft picks from this year's class that you think uh, are going to be key contributors to this team for to, in order for them to be successful this year? I think Brian Berzee and Isaiah Foskey are going to be the two that can have the most impact in year one. Of course, Isaiah Foskey has not signed his contract just yet with the Saints. And that's if you look around the league, a lot of these second-round draft picks have not signed their contract yet. So it's not something to be too concerned about just yet ahead of training camp. That will likely get resolved. But seeing Foskey and Brian Brzee work in, I expect both of those guys to make an impact in year one. Brooke, kind of previewing a positional battle that I'm really looking forward to, the wide receiver group, right? If you look at the top yeah. of it, obviously Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Rashid Shahid have all kind of separated themselves from the pack as the top three guys. But I guess this is a two-part question. First and foremost, how many wide receivers do you kind of anticipate the Saints carrying this upcoming season? And then which of those guys do you think will fill out the final few spots? It's a really good question because as you look at roster uh, cuts from last year and years prior, they've always kept more wide receivers. Um, And when you look at just number one, if you're looking at all 53 and what groups are going to be bulked up as far as who makes the 53-man roster, that's my biggest question right now because – of the amount of injuries that happened in the secondary. So are you going to keep more DBs and maybe take a number from the wide receiver group and add that to the defensive backs? Or, depending on Michael Thomas's health, and remember Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid are coming back from little injuries that they faced this offseason that were super minor, that both expected to be fine at the beginning of training camp. But it's one of those things, I'll believe it when I see it, if those guys are back, back to full strength. Uh, Chris Olave was dealing with a little bit of – I believe it was Achilles tightness and we'll see where Rashid Shahid is, but that is definitely a position group where it's, it's going to come down to the wire. How many guys do you keep? Do you keep five wide receivers? Do you keep six? A.T. Perry was put on the non-football injury list today. So that's a little bit concerning. That was somebody they expected to kind of be on the fringe of making the 53 man roster. So it's a really good question. It's definitely a position group where you could see guys fighting for that, four, five, six role with the Saints. Brooke, we talk to people almost every day about the linebacker depth, and people are always really concerned and really worried about who's behind, obviously, Preet Warner and Demario Davis. But we talked with Scott Shanley last week, and he's just like, look, guys, in the new era of the NFL, you only really need two, three down linebackers. And you have that with Demario and Pete. Obviously, injuries happen, and that's kind of the concern about who's behind them there. But what are your kind of thoughts about the linebacker group this upcoming season? And obviously, I think I've heard a lot about Demarco Jackson, the fifth round pick from this past year, looking to kind of make an impact in the in training camp. Yeah, it's a really good question. And he was right in saying that you really just need two strong linebackers, but you're not in that formation the entire game as we've seen in the NFL and how the Saints, you know, shift throughout the game, we saw Cade Nellis become a star linebacker and somebody they wanted to try to keep. Of course, he's with the Falcons now. But Demario Davis is getting older. You know, father time is around the corner. He has not shown any signs of dipping, but that's right around the corner. Pete Werner suffered a ton of injuries last year. He is expected to be at full strength. So you kind of need that third linebacker. And for me, it's Zach Bond. It's one of those seasons. It's put up or shut up. He's one of those guys that they continue to try to fill that third linebacker role with Zach Bond. So we'll see if he, um, you know, rises to the occasion. But you're right. They've played in the, they've had that nickel corner who has been Really solid for the Saints. We'll see if Alante Taylor really takes on that role. I don't see Paulson Adebo moving into that role. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I do believe they need to have a strong third linebacker. And for me, right now, given just the 
little things that we saw in mini camp and OTAs. Remember, the guys are in T-shirts and shorts. I think for people that don't realize that, um, you know, we don't really get to see the true competition. But for me, Zach Bond really needs to solidify that role as a third linebacker. It felt like something that we've kind of heard a lot of during this offseason and kind of the OTAs and minicamp and stuff like that was that with the addition of Derek Carr, who obviously is kind of notorious for loving to use the tight end, like we kind of joke about we're still trying to cover Darren Waller from a couple years back. But looking (laughs) at the Saints tight end group, they obviously extended Jawan Johnson this offseason to a two-year extension, and they're kind of trusting in the former undrafted free agent to continue to take the next step. He took kind of a next step this past season, but they're hoping that he'll take that next step this upcoming year. And what your kind of thoughts about Jawan Johnson's development and then the offseason uh, tight end additions with like Foster Morrow and, and obviously some other guys um, that could make the roster as well. Yeah, look, you're absolutely right. Derek Carr is a tight end friendly quarterback. He has proved that in his time with the Raiders. Of course, they're bringing in a guy that he has a good connection with already, Foster Moreau, who honestly is miraculous that he is now in full remission from Hodgkin lymphoma and that he is going to be 100% at training camp. And it was crazy just to see him this summer already at 100% given what his body was going through trying to fight off Hodgkin lymphoma. I think he's going to be a key piece. But Jawan Johnson has solidified his role as tight end one. And we're going to see him more involved, I believe, in the passing game. Number one, you look at his frame and him being able to build that over the years, his catch radius, things of that nature, um, you know, catching in tight windows. He proved that last year in a few games. And unfortunately, the good games he did have last year, it kind of got lost in the mix with the Saints struggling last year with, with their quarterback situation. So I think it's going to be a tight end friendly offense. But when you look at just the volume of talent the Saints have this year on offense, we'll see how many uh, – catches the tight ends have when you look back at the end of the season. Talking with Brooke Kirchhofer of WWL-TV and NewOrleansFootball.com. And Brooke, how did you get hooked up with those guys at NewOrleansFootball.com? <laughs> well, so we uh, you know, had a partnership with WWL-TV. Of course, you saw Nick Underhill on WWL-TV. Right. And honestly, they've done such a good job over there at New Orleans Stop Football, Nick Underhill and Mike Triplett, that they actually were approached by a couple of sponsors and said, hey, we love what you're doing. We love everything that we see as far as what they're able to put out on their website. They're like, why don't you guys start a show? We'll sponsor it. We'll pay for everything. Find a host. And let's let's maybe do three days a week. And we'll talk Saints three days a week and go from there. And they reached out to me to be that host. And honestly, it's been so much fun. And I'm looking forward to being more involved with the Saints this season with that role. Yeah, I'll just say that uh, it seemed pretty seamless. You guys fit together well. I uh, love watching the stuff you do for sure. Uh, you mentioned the put-up or shut-up year for a guy like Zach Bond, and I'm sure you're in the category too. A guy for me is, is Peyton Turner, obviously, yeah. uh, former first-round pick. And we're still waiting. Who's going to be that guy opposite of Cam Jordan at, at defensive end? Uh, how do you see that whole competition shaking out? Well, yeah, and that's why I mentioned when you asked me earlier, who of, out of the rookies and especially the draft picks, who's going to break out? I mean, Brian Berzee has an opportunity to take that spot. And right. Isaiah Foskey, all the, b- both of those guys have an opportunity to really – define a role in the defensive line if somebody like Peyton Turner does not show up this this training camp. And he he didn't have a bad training camp last year. It just didn't translate last season and then with injuries and things of that nature. 
And, of course, Saints fans, I think, are tired of hearing it. You know, Marcus Davenport didn't turn out the way they wanted. Peyton Turner hasn't turned out the way they wanted to start. So, for him, this is absolutely a make-or-break year. And if he wants to stay on this team and stay in the NFL, he's really going to have to break out and look. Somebody like Peyton Turner, he sees all the noise. He sees what everybody says on social media, on TV, on radio, all of that. I think if, if anybody's as motivated heading into training camp, it's Peyton Turner. Brooke, this is kind of really looking far ahead because Mike Dettelier and I were talking about this earlier, but with the Titans signing DeAndre Hopkins, the week one matchup becomes a little bit more spicy. I think we can all agree (laughs) on that. But looking at kind of their offensive game plan against the Saints heading into week one, and once again, I know this is a couple months out, so this is a very far in the future question. But we were kind of evaluating how the Falcons attacked the Saints' defense in week one of last year, and they wanted to run the ball early and often. So even though they did add the five-time all-pro wide receiver as Ryan Tannehill's main weapon for this upcoming season, it's going to be a steady diet of Derrick Henry against a lot of new guys on the defensive front for the Saints. Would you agree? Yeah, and look, if I'm if I'm the Saints and D Hop goes anywhere, I'm glad that it's at least Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Not not trying to give a big knock on him, but he's definitely not, you know, in the top five conversation of best quarterbacks right now. So we'll see what DeAndre Hopkins can do in that system and how Ryan Tannehill gets him the ball, especially when you have a guy like Marshawn Lattimore who is coming back healthy from that lacerated kidney last year. And he's got a lot to prove, too. You know, four-time pro bowler who's trying to prove that he is still at the top of his game. You know, he was left off of the ESPN current top six cornerbacks around the league, which I think is a snub. I'm not saying he's best, but I'm saying he at least deserves to be in that top six category. But, yeah, we'll see what, what the Titans do against the Saints. I like that the Saints are hosting the Titans for week one. I think it's a really good test. This is somebody they don't see often. So the fact that you're getting the Titans week one, we'll see what they what they do, obviously, with Derrick Henry and things of that nature. Derrick Henry is going to be, obviously, a beast to manage. And as the Saints have done in the last recent years, their run defense is where they hang their hat. That wasn't great last year. So I think if they get out to a good start and they can prove that they're that top run defense they've been, in years past. I think it'll be a good start for the Saints in week one. Definitely appreciate the time, Brooke. No, you are busy as well. So anytime uh, you get a break, uh, definitely appreciate you hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on, and I'll see you out there soon. Definitely. WWL-TV sports reporter Brooke Kirchhofer and New Orleans Doc Football host. You can catch your stuff there as well. Thanks again to Brooke Kirchhofer for joining us for that segment. Always enjoy talking to Brooke. She does great work with New Orleans Doc Football. So go check that out. She hangs out with Nick Underhill and Mike Triplett and company over there. They do a great job. What do you think, Steve? Uh, definitely uh, love talking to Brooke. We'll be hoping to have her on again uh, in the near future and uh, obviously be seeing the whole gang at Saints camp soon and be uh, lamenting in our misery over the heat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Sunscreen necessary. I, I definitely need to find my new... Uh, Cooling rag for, for the season that as you know they after one year of use they kind of they need to be replaced you cannot reuse a cooling towel year to year that is garbage <laughs> um they sell them at uh, like home goods and marshalls and stuff you know like any of those stores that just kind of collect odds and ends I w- like you'll I, usually be able to find them there for like four dollars i was even just amazed uh just went grocery shopping over the re- weekend and even at the grocery store boom there was a whole aisle of mission cooling hats socks, armband, all all kinds of stuff you can get that has the cooling material. So I might be outfitted from head to toe. 
Yeah, I, I think that to me the towel is the is the necessary thing. Everything else is just it's like because you got to use it every day, right? Yeah, it's not the same hat every day. And I'm more stylish than that. At least I tell myself that. I have none, zero style. <laughs> but all right, let's wrap up this segment. We're gonna come back. We're gonna finish up our position battle breakdowns with the defense, which is a lot more interesting. If I do say so myself, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve Geller on Twitter at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. Stick around. One more segment, getting us one segment closer to the start of training camp. Kind of like Christmas, where you're like, oh, it's like three sleeps, and then it's Christmas. It's like it's like seven sleeps, and then it's start of training camp. And I, I, do, I do kind of treat it that way, because it's like complete shift. It's like going from zero to 100, and... and and then, and then it does not slow down. <laughs> like, I, I kind of treat the start of training camp as the start of the season. I know most Saints fans probably think, like, man, it's like a still months away. To me, the season starts on Wednesday. Absolutely. And then, you know, obviously with training camp leads into the preseason and, you know, preseason with the regular season. But, yeah, once training camp starts, there's no stopping for us. You know, I say that, but, like, the last couple of years, and I actually do appreciate this change by the NFL – as much as I think the NFL does nothing to help its teams and players in any substantive way, like that, that open week in the final week of the preseason is a very nice change for me personally. And I think the players appreciate it too, just to kind of reset. Take a go. deep breath. Yeah. Like going straight from the preseason into week one, I feel like it's, it's really difficult to kind of mark off. Okay. The season's starting, but like, that's a nice kind of 13 day reset process. So, I mean, I, I, I'm going to go on vacation during that week. <laughs> you know, like that's, uh, that's, uh, that's all, all you can ask for is a couple of days. But we're getting into training camp. We went through the offensive position battles in the first segment. In this segment, we're going to go through the defensive position battles. And just like in the first segment, I'm going to break. I'm going to list right here the settled position battles, which there's a lot of them. But then like there's less kind of mostly settled. It's either concrete or open. And so this one, I have five positions that are listed as just concrete. Don't even need to talk about them. They're, hopefully they get better or hopefully they do well, but they're not competing with anyone for these jobs. Right defensive end, he, and he can move, but right defensive end, Cam Jordan, no question. CB1, Marshawn Lattimore, no question. Mike Linebacker, Demario Davis, no question. Free safety, whatever safety, you know, it's tough because I don't think either Marcus May or Tyron Matthew is technically the free safety, but I think... Tyron kind of is more of that because he just kind of moves around a lot. But either way, whatever position safety you want to call him, one of the two safeties, Tyron Matthew, concrete, no question. And then Pete Werner, the will linebacker, concrete, no question. All of those positions, while it would be nice to see someone show up and push them, there's no position battle going on. Those are locked in. Would you even put Marcus May, did you say, in that category or no? No. I just don't know who's there that's really concrete. I hear like you. Concrete I just, to me, concrete to me, set in stone. Nothing could happen from a competitive perspective to get them to lose that job, right? Like no one could show up and play out of their mind good and beat them out. I think for Marcus, I have it as mostly settled. But if a guy like Jordan Howden 
or a smoke Monday or somebody just shows up in the preseason and Jonathan balls Abram. out while Marcus May looks sketchy, while he gets hurt and just kind of isn't available the way that he was last year or gets suspended for a couple games and suddenly it's like, well, this guy's playing better anyway. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But to me, there is there is a, a possibility, like a small gotcha. possibility, which is what keeps him out of the concrete group right. and is in the mostly settled group, which is very close, right? <laughs> He's in the wet concrete. Yes. Yeah, the concrete hasn't dried. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the wet concrete group, because the, the, it's still in the mixing truck kind of spinning around. Defensive tackle. So defensive tackle stuff too, because I think there are roles yeah. kind of like tight end where from the run stuffer defensive tackle role, because you need one of those. You need one like double team eating run stuffer. That's what Shy Tuttle was last year, I think, to an extent. And I think this is year it's Colin Saunders. Again, mostly settled. Malcolm Roach would probably be the guy that pushes him in that position. Slot cornerback, again, mostly settled. Bradley Roby with Ugo Amadi and maybe Alante Taylor pushing him if Alante Taylor doesn't win another position battle. Again, we'll get into that. And then the other one, as you mentioned, the other safety, Marcus May, mostly settled, with Jordan Howden being the most likely push from behind of like someone who's kind of chasing him. Maybe Jonathan Abram, but I don't think... Like, I think Jonathan Abram could make the roster, but I think he's not really a guy you look at like, oh, he's going to be competing for that starting job, just like kind of Justin Evans last year. Yeah, the the Howden-Abraham... Abram, Howden Abram at safety. That's definitely one to watch. I, I agree there because I, that's why I had asked about what do you think about May basically being in that drying concrete because there really isn't much proven behind him. No. Yeah, and that's and that's up here on my list. Um, there's one other that's mostly settled, but it's kind of weird because you don't use it and it's the Sam linebacker position. Like I imagine – that Zach Bond's going to be the Sam linebacker. Right. And But it's like from a, from an excitement level perspective, it's like, I just don't care <laughs> because you don't use that position. No, right. Like, I, I think like that's the least important position battle you're going to have. And I like even, even like Caden Ellis was the Sam linebacker last year, but I didn't really care about that. I cared about whether he seemed like he had the versatility. And it's something we talked about with Scott Shanley. Um, in the last episode, it's like, does he have the versatility to go from Sam to somewhere else? I don't think Zach Bond does. So I don't know. But if, you know, maybe an Anthony Orgy, maybe a DeMarco Jackson could jump in and, and steal that spot from him. I don't know. Either way, it's it's mostly settled. I think Zach's going to be, that's going to be Zach's job. It's weird to think that Bond's heading into year four and I really still don't know who he is, if you know what I mean. I mean, I think, I think actually we do know who he is and yeah. it's just not a guy you're going to see a lot of during games. Right. I, you know, I kind of feel like I'd, I'd lo- I want to see him in a 3-4 scheme and to get to be like an outside linebacker, like an actual outside linebacker and rush the passer. And, you know, maybe his coverage requests are so low that it doesn't become an issue. I just don't think he works in a 4-3. And maybe, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes somewhere else and has success, at least me- a reasonable success, whereas he just doesn't fit. Um, but he's under contract anyway, so... No, I'm I'm on board there, too, where it doesn't seem like, you know, you can get the, you know, the round peg in the square hole kind of deal. I agree. The next one is kind of a weird one because I call this position the PJ because it it doesn't technically exist. But I think this is a position that the Saints value, which is a swing corner safety. And so I call it the PJ because that's what PJ has done. 
for years. They don't have him around anymore. I don't think they're going to stop utilizing that kind of swing position. Right. So who could it be? Um, and to me, the most obvious option would be Lonnie Johnson. But I think it's an open competition for whoever you think could do that. I don't think Jonathan Abram could play corner. And so that kind of limits him. Jordan Howden, I don't know either. So like, I think that's kind of what you're watching. Maybe one of these younger defensive backs, maybe an Anthony Johnson, um, maybe a Troy Pride, right? Could show up and, and push Alani. Uh, but I think that's, that is very much a position that the Saints value. And so whether it's listed on the roster or not, to me, that's a position battle. Yeah, and uh, that's a guy that obviously not on this roster anymore, and I know Saints fans won't really care, but there was value in that, like you said, because of that versatility there from P.J. They won games because of his ability to just go outside and play corner first uh, at, a, at, a, at a moment's notice. That week four against the Lions in 2020, you didn't have – I think you, you ended up starting Patrick Robinson and P.J. Williams out wide, and you won that game. You know, like it's just the ability to be able to do that it makes life so much easier on the defensive coordinator. And I think that's why you have it. And there's no reason not to have it. You have all of these players. You want them to be flexible. So the next position up, which is very similar, but more safety specific, is kind of, I don't even know. Again, I don't know what to call this position, but it's like safety, the three, the third safety, right? The, you know, top backup for okay who when your safety goes down with a Tyron Matthew or a Marcus May misses time who goes in last year was Justin Evans and this is also a position where you probably expect them to have an impact in the slot like if you do need to back up Bradley Roby in the slot who is it might be this position so to me right now that's Jordan Howden Jonathan Abram is another guy who you could see competing here Smoke Monday is a guy who you could see competing here um, but I do think that, again, kind of like the PJ, as I'm talking about, is a position. It's it's That's a position. And so th- that's going to be interesting. And I think Jordan Howden has the benefit of being a draft pick and also has the benefit of looking pretty good. So I don't know how much of a battle it's going to be, but that's going to be something that you have to watch. Uh, definitely interested to see more in a guy like Ugo Amati, too. Yes. Uh, we've seen a little bit, but yet nothing really that is going to make you Scream and shout right now when we haven't seen anything in pads, but definitely see that uh, the whole safety after the starters is is definitely an issue where it's got to sort itself out with the depth chart. And Ugo could also be that the PJ competition, right? Like Ugo has been the backup slot in in these practices so far behind Bradley Roby. So to me, that's definitely one that you, that you look at as okay, could, maybe he could be. Could Smoke be that swing guy, or you don't think so? <laughs> yeah, he's he can't play corner. He can't Too play big, outside. Huh? Okay. Yeah, he just doesn't have the. Yeah, he's not that. He's not that type of player. But he could definitely be that safety. So that's just one to watch. Right. Um, and then again, and then like these, this is not including special teams where those position battles are kind of held separately. Um, but it's just hard to include here in this kind of breakdown. All right, going forward. So the the other defensive tackle, the one that's not Colin Saunders. So right now, I'd say it's probably Nathan Shepard, just because you paid him, you brought him in for a reason, you like him. But you know he's going to get pushed by Brian Brzee by Malcolm Roach, maybe another defensive tackle steps into that mix. Um, but that's definitely going to be one that you you watch closely because I think a lot of people would like to see Brian Brzee win that job. And it's just a question to me of whether he can play early downs. I think he's going to be a rundowns player early in his career, but that's going to be one to watch. The defensive line is going to be 
one of those you're keeping a close eye on just because of obviously all the new additions there too. And the only thing, yeah, really said is, you know, Cam, Cam, Cam is the guy. And after that, we think, you know, you know, with Shepard and Saunders, but yeah, what, what's going to happen with a Brzee? Uh, we're hoping that he can take that, that starting position right off the bat, but I think it's going to obviously take a little bit of time to get him a more acclimated to the NFL. Yeah. Like it's probably not the most exciting position battle you've ever heard of, but there's position battles going on. Right. So next up on this list. So I've reached the top three here. You know, the nice thing is at least two of these are starters. <laughs> so there, that's why they're the most exciting. This first one is kind of like on the offensive side where you had the wide receiver four five here. I have the linebacker four five, which is, so you have this, whoever you name as your starter at Sam. And then obviously, Demario Davis, Pete Warner at the, at the mic on the will. Those are the two positions you're going to have on the field the most often. So this the 4-5 to me is whoever's going to back up Demario and whoever is going to back up Pete Warner because I think those have to be two different people. They don't Again, they don't have to be two different people. But last year was kind of weird where you had a four-year player that you could plug in that you trusted. That's not going to be the case this year unless you bring in a veteran. So for right now, I kind of look at it as Anthony Orgy and DeMarco Jackson with whoever you want to include trying to supplant them in that role, whether it be an Andrew Dowell, whether it be a Nick Anderson, whether it be a Ty Connolly. No. Zach Connolly? Ty Summers is the tie. Ryan, Ryan Connolly. Ryan Connolly. Ty Connolly could be, you know, whatever, Madden created player. Um, Yeah, there you go. So that's who you're going to watch. And I think, I still think that linebacker is a position where you could very much see a veteran addition. But that's what I'm looking like. I'm not worried about kind of like at the running back position. I'm not watching how DeMarco Jackson matches up with a DeMario Davis, right? They're, that's not the competition. I'm watching how a DeMarco Jackson plays relative to an Anthony Orge or Nick Anderson. Or, yeah, do you get the idea? Yeah, that's that's huge because uh, we've talked about it a ton. After Davis and Warner is just like a lot, a lot of questions at the linebacking group, Bond's, Bond's not going to replace either one of those if there's an injury. So I said, maybe the mic. He can't, he could not play well. If, in a pinch, if you were desperate, I think it's possible that you throw Zach at the mic and say, hopefully this works. But I don't want, I don't think you want to be in that position. No. And then, you know, the, the questions are you just have a lot of unproven talent trying to earn that spot there. So, uh, it, I know a lot of folks ask me about Nick Anderson, and it's just like I haven't seen enough out the kid already, so I can't say yes or no definitively. But off the bat, like right now, if I had to, like you forced me to do a projection, I think if you're if Nick's lucky, he'd be a practice squad guy. I think he will be a practice squad guy. I think I think like he's a quality player and he works hard. I just think year one is going to be really tough for him to make up that gap <laughs> in terms of being a hugely undersized linebacker. Right. It's hard for a rookie linebacker, period, to to kind of stand up in the, the you know, the the physicality of the NFL, let alone a guy who's what five ten. There's two more positions, and these are the real exciting position battles independently of anything else. This is these are the two camp position battles, offense or defense, that are the most exciting. And I put these on top of any on the offensive side. And the first one is who's starting at defensive end across from Cam Jordan. Here I have it listed as left defensive end. There's no reason that they couldn't adjust one way or the other but i do think that cam will traditionally play on the right side 
And uh, so right now I have Peyton Turner as kind of the first name on that line. And it really has nothing to do with what he has done. And it is exclusively about what I need him to do, which is I need him to play like a first round pick. And so this is me kind of just forecasting that I want him to be the starter. That doesn't mean he will be because he's going to be competing with Carl Granderson and Isaiah Foskey, I think, in terms of maybe he doesn't start. Maybe one of these guys starts. It's probably a rotation either way. But to me, that's that's a huge position battle. And I don't. I wouldn't hate if Carl Granderson wins it. I wouldn't hate if Isaiah Foskey wins it. But if they do, that's going to be very disappointing for Peyton Turner, who is a guy who you would really like to get some contribution from. We'll totally agree with you there. T- Tano Passanio, obviously a good rotational depth there. piece. You know, he's yeah. not going to be your starter. But yeah, but you don't want him to be. Again, like it's like yeah, this is a competition. Be. But at the same time, there are results that are are bad results. And you know, if Tano ends up being the starter, it's not because Tano magically became a different player than he has been the last three years. It means that none of these guys, with the exception of Carl Granderson, because yeah. Carl, I think, has a much lower expectation, but n- neither of these high draft picks panned out. And that's a problem, whether or not Tano plays really well or, or, or he doesn't. No, the, the big deal is definitely what the heck are we going to see from Peyton Turner? Year one of Foskey. You know, you're you're hoping that he becomes a contributor, can be in that rotation, but in no way do I expect him to win the starting gig out of camp. If I say if Foskey blows the doors off and is fantastic <laughs> and wins that job, and Peyton Turner also plays well and just he gets beat, great. If that's right. what happens, I'm okay with it, but it's unlikely. Like that's there's a lot of scenarios where Peyton Turner doesn't end up starting, and it's not because someone played out of their minds good. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, like. Carl Granderson, I think he had a solid year. He ended up starting toward the end of the year, not necessarily because he was playing really well, even though he, he was playing well, but it was more because Marcus Davenport was not getting the job done and you needed someone who would get the job done and he did. But you would have much rather been in a situation where Marcus Davenport played really well, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it would have been nicer if Davenport had the the five and a half, six sacks that, yeah. you know, but that that's exactly. not the case. Uh, and I think, you know, we all joke, obviously, now that he's moved on and, and Marcus Davenport, that watch in Minnesota, he's going to have this huge clean bill of health and be available all the games. I mean, I'm rooting for him. I, like, I, I don't want him to struggle. You know, I, I, I like Marcus Davenport. But, yeah, uh, that would be a, be annoying at, at minimum uh, just because of how frustrating it was. Yeah, always a really nice, personable guy, really low-key, right. uh, not your – high energy alpha that cam jordan is but that's okay that doesn't mean he can't be successful in the nfl i'm definitely not going to call him a cam jordan type player but um we saw some really bright spots from davenport it was just really unfortunate the dude could just never stay on the field and i don't know what happened last year with him yeah you could see the vision the vision was always visible it just at times felt really far away i felt like i was squinting to like, I think it's there. It is. Yeah, okay. So one more position battle, and we can wrap this up. We've already talked about this, so I don't think we even need to talk about it that much. But it's still it was the most exciting position battle to me at the end of minicamp, and it's still the most exciting position battle to me. And it is CB2. Again, this is a starter. So these last two position battles are for starting jobs, which you know I don't think we have a lot of those, um, which is nice. That's a good thing. But that's going to be, to me personally, right now, I have Paulson Debo first, and then I have a very close competition with Alante Taylor. 
I just I think that Paulson has the starting experience advantage, and you know he looked really good in camp last year. I expect him to look really good in camp again. And you know this is a situation where uh, it's very different from the right or the defensive end battle that we just talked about. In that, I think there's a scenario where both guys play really really good, and you just have to pick one. Right, because no one's unseating Marshawn no matter what happens. Well, knock on wood that he stays healthy, but yes. I mean, it's not going to be a quality of play issue with Marshawn. Let's put it that way. And Bradley Roby seems entrenched in the slot. I think he's the slot. Whoever – I've I've talked about this a couple times. I don't think the idea is going to be whoever wins this, the other guy plays the slot. I think Bradley Roby is going to be the slot corner. Yeah, because we we heard a little from Olante, and not like he's saying he doesn't want to be – the slot guy, but he's like, he'd prefer not to kind of thing where he's like, all right, I'm working there right now because they want me to, and I can do it, but I want to be that outside guy. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not even about whether he wants to play the slot or not. It's that he wants to play outside. Right. I think he would rather be on the field than not on the field. Sure. So I think there is a scenario that could play out where right now, I don't think there's a competition at slot corner. I do think that they want to make sure that Alante is he's up ready. on slot corner. Yeah. And then so I think you, what could happen is Paulson Adebo wins that job and you start the season with Marshawn, Paulson, and Bradley. If Bradley struggles, right? Bradley's a veteran. He's getting older. Maybe he can't. He just doesn't have it left in him. And then, you know, after four or five games and you've gotten a chance to really incorporate Alante into the slot and, and get him as up to speed as you can, maybe he takes over, Right. But I don't think that it would be like a week one thing where you battle fit the entirety of training camp. You pick one, and then all of a sudden it's like you play a different position now. No. We see injuries at cornerback all the time. I think that you will be perfectly fine knowing that you have a healthy backup outside corner who can take over for either Marshawn or Paulson or whoever. Or, or Paulson takes over for Marshawn or an Orlando or Lante when they get hurt, right? That sort of thing. But to me, that's like if you are looking for just a straight up starting competition that's the best one to watch yeah and i'm excited obviously year two of alante taylor just because this kid just wants more and more on his plate it'll be interesting like you mentioned i agree with you you got you know the the three corners with Lattimore, adebo and roby how do you work in a guy like alante taylor into the into the mix does he end up becoming that Maybe, you know, you use him as a safety, as a corner kind of thing. I just know you you want a guy like that on the field more often than not. And I know he's going to be itching to get out there, too. It, that that whole thing, how it plays out, uh, definitely the, the top position battle. I totally agree there. And with Adebo, man, we saw him really dominating in camp last year with pass breakups. The biggest thing for him now, can you turn those – breakups maybe into a few more interceptions and those takeaways are are obviously key uh we we saw how they lacked last season so anyway any form that this team can can get back into taking the ball away more is going to be a big plus and i and i you know i think most of the people listening to this will probably disagree with me and i like alante taylor a lot i think alante taylor is going to be a good player in this league for a long time i just think that this year specifically this team likes Paulson, Paulson Depot. <laughs> like, like they really do like Paulson Depot. And Paulson had a really good camp last year. He dealt with an injury at the end of camp. And I think people underestimate how big of an impact that had on him 
early in the season and when he came back, I think he had a lot of momentum and the injury took a lot of that away. And then he came back week five and immediately was trying to chase down Tyler Lockett. And that's not a guy I want to match up with as I come off an ankle injury and I'm probably not in the great shape or the shape I want to be. And suddenly I have to start doing that. And yes, he got beat a couple times, which yes, that happened. Then, then Marshawn gets hurt in that game. And suddenly Paulson Adebo is being asked to guard Marshawn's player, right? Like he is now the CB one after four weeks of injury. And then after getting beat up by Tyler Lockett. And so you're, you're asking him to guard Deandre Hopkins and these guys, and that's asking a lot. And so, yeah, week 13, he got beat by Mike Evans. And it's like, yeah, I would, there was very few times in that season where you got to see Paulson Adebo as the CB2 is my point. And I think that in the matchups he's supposed to be in across from Marshawn, I think that he's going to have a much better chance. Now that CB2 job is also really fascinating because teams don't want to throw up Marshawn. So it gets run at a lot, right? Like it's, it's really kind of fascinating because it's like, okay, who who do you trust more in that scenario? And, uh, you know, you could say Alante, you could say Paulson. I think both of them are going to be very good. But again, like I'm not going to hold a very frustrating season against Paulson because you saw what happened. It's not a mystery. And he's confident. He's coming back. I think he's going to win. But I could be wrong. Either way, we'll find and out. And he, he was obviously nicked up to dealing with some injuries. Who knows? If he was even playing at full strength, yada, 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 whatever with him. But yeah, that that does battle there. It only makes the Saints secondary group even better. It's, it's the big moments that frustrate me with Paulson. And I've said this in the past, like that big play to Cordero Patterson in his rookie season that cost the Saints a game. That big play to Mike Evans last year that cost the Saints a game. It was pass interference, but you get the idea. It happens too many times. I think, I think uh, A.J. Brown got him too at one point. And yeah, he's got to get better at that. He's got to, you know, I think he needs to get better at turning the ball over. He needs to get better at, at being less handsy down the field. But I think he is getting better. And so we'll see a good, I think we'll see a very good version of Paulson this year. But either way, like that's going to be one that's going to be fun to watch. And so that's going to wrap it up for us with the position battles. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. You look at it and it's like position battles are usually a lot more fun than this. Right. But I think it's a good sign. Right. Like, I think it's a good sign that you're not going into training camp being like the Saints are trying to figure out who's the starter at position, 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 position. Like, that's not a good thing. (laughs) That's, you know, sometimes it is like like cornerback, I think, is a good thing where you have too many good cornerbacks. And a lot of instances, it's like you don't know if you have any and you end up starting guys like, you know, Delvin Bro. And then the things go bad. Um, That's not hate on Delvin Bro. It's just. That was a sad time for the secondary. <laughs> yeah, I guess my biggest concern with the team is along the offensive line just because of injuries and what you're hoping you have in depth, I guess. But it's just how how all of that is going to shake out going into the season because, yeah, obviously with uh, the battle in the trenches is, is going to be key. And we, we saw the offensive line struggle last season, which didn't do Andy Dalton any favors. Yeah, no, it's a good point because we kind of glossed over the offensive line in this whole thing, but it's because it's not really position battles. It's right. right. <laughs> like, again, it's like Trevor Penning. It's like, okay, this is a position battle where Trevor Penning is trying to beat himself from, <laughs> you know, like he's competing against himself. Same thing with Pete, same thing with Ruiz. Uh, but yeah, if, if those guys are healthy and they play well, this, that's a great offensive line group. If they don't, if they're not, <laughs> then yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, but it's like, yeah, in the, in the, 
context of this question, which is who's competing for something. Uh, yeah, you kind of lose the offensive line. But I agree with you. It's one of the biggest questions and one of the most important questions that the Saints are going to have to answer. No, and yeah, Wednesday the 26th, we'll be doing our attendance and seeing, all right, who's here and who's not. And yeah, I'm hoping I'm, I'm checking Trevor Penning as being a participant because um, just need to see it from the rookie. I mean, there's so many times this, this team's put some investment in, in first-round picks that just haven't turned out. I agree. And uh, and like again we we go back to the 2017 draft. One of the reasons this team had, had such a great run for that few years was they just loaded up and they didn't miss. And when you start missing, uh your depth <laughs> takes a hit. You know, when when you start going all in on a Marcus Davenport and then 3 years later it's like wow, that didn't work out when you draft a Peyton Turner in the first round, you know, you know, it adds up and you can only have so many mid to late round steals and the saints have been good in the, or in the second round, third round, fourth round. But you know, it's like you, there's a reason that those first round picks are so come at such a premium. It's because you expect to get starters and you expect to get high level starters. Um, and when you're not, uh, things go bad, but yeah. Yep. Definitely. So yeah, for, uh, Penning and Peyton Turner, I guess. So you say those are your big first round question marks going into this year. Ambrosie, but yeah, I mean, he's a rookie, so it's a little, yeah, he, he he could struggle and you could still be like, okay, we're all right. He's growing, right? You like Cesar Ruiz, like he was solid last year. And it, that was such a big jump for him that it kind of felt like, man, what a huge season. And then it's like, but I, I need him to be consistent now. Like you can't take a step back. Like, because I'm not still, I'm not convinced that you know he is out of the woods yet from a development perspective. Um, but you were so happy to see him be a consistent piece on that offensive line that's like I don't even know how good he actually was. I'm just comparing him to himself. So he's another one that it's like, yeah, it's a first round pick. If he regresses and struggles, then that could be another one. So yeah, I mean, I like I don't think that he is a for sure like hit in the draft either. Right. No, yeah, totally. It, that's where you're going. But all right, let's wrap that. So, what you got, son? No, I was going to say, so we got three first-rounders we got our eyes on that are, that yeah. still have a lot of questions. Sure do. <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's wrap that segment up. Let's wrap up this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Getting close to the start of training camp. Football. I'll stop doing this now. <laughs> and, yeah, real football, kind of. Real practice football. I don't know. It's not really real football, but I'm going to enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We went through a lot. We broke down all the position battles. Talked to Brooke Kirchhofer. Thanks again, Brooke, for coming on. And uh, yeah, until the next time, thanks everyone for listening. This is Inside Black and Gold. You can follow myself at Jeff underscore Noack. You can follow Steve Geller at Steve Geller, WWL, who just decided to leave and is now back. Whoops. Sure what happened. So you close I, was the close, tab. I was closing tabs and clicked the yeah. wrong one, yes. <laughs> I've done that. Um, but all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Steve, any, any parting thoughts? Now tune into Sports Talk 4 to 8 for all the latest on the black and gold and much more. Oh, yeah. All right. Who dat? Peace out. Go Saints. Who dat? Who dat?